0: A very warm welcome to all of you to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj. In today's episode, we are having Swami Purna Chaitanya, the author of national best-selling book, Looking Inward, Meditating to Survive a Changing World. He is an author, speaker, and spiritual guide to many around the world, a sought-after teacher of yoga, meditation, and mantras, and an enthralling storyteller. He is currently a Director of Programs for the Art of Living Foundation, where he conducts a range of personal development training and oversees various service projects in India and Africa. For me, this was a very insightful episode with Swamiji, where we discuss about what is meditation, how it is different from mindfulness, why it's important to protect your headspace in spite of all the chaos and misery happening around the world. And he also shares his experience with teaching meditation for militants, prisoners, and how to start a meditation practice at your home, even if you are completely new to it. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode and please do find the link for his book, Looking Inward, in the show notes of this podcast. If you want to do one-on-one Ayurvedic consultation with me to enhance the quality of your health and well-being, please check the scheduling link in the show notes to register. In this consultation, we will look into your health goals, current issues, and make a roadmap with the tools of Ayurveda, healthy nutrition, personalized guided meditation, and lifestyle changes that is required to guide you to realize your health goals. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. And now we go over to Swami Purna Chaitanya. Jai Gurudev. Namaste Swamiji. I'm so happy to have you in my podcast. So looking forward for this conversation. And I'm so almost also, you know, trying to understand about the book, Looking Inward. And when I read about the content, and also listening to some of the works that you've been doing, I mean, it's very close to what I do, because in Ayurveda, many being an Ayurvedic doctor today, I always tell it's a doctor for the leftover patients. So many patients come with uh, pains and aches. And later on, you realize there is a lot to do with the emotional stuff that they have not been doing it well. And today we learn a lot, but nobody te- taught us how to deal with our mind. Nobody taught us how to deal with our breath. Nobody taught us how to cope with stress. So your book is uh, actually a right time. And I'm sure there are many books, but you know every new book has something new to offer. And then let's hope. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> So Swamiji, what made you write this book? You know,
1: um, Well, to be honest, Vigneshji, I asked myself the, the same question. What mm-hmm. can I add to what is already there? Uh, mm-hmm. I was approached by Penguin, by the publisher. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, in times like this, where the world is changing um, even faster than before, uh, there is a lot of uh, impressions that people need to deal with, a lot of change, they need to deal with a lot of stress. So they thought I was the right person to write a book that could help people to deal with this rapidly changing world to help people find their inner peace again. Mm -hmm. And just after they approached me, the pandemic started. So Mm -hmm. it became all the more relevant. Definitely.
0: I can imagine.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, like so many of us, we became even more acutely aware of the fact that, well, most of us have never learned really how to deal with our mind, our emotions. And as you are, of course, more than anybody aware that, Mm -hmm. uh, The quality of our state of mind has a big impact on our physical health as well, our physiology. Um, Of course, nowadays, uh, even I know many allopathic doctors who uh, are now looking at cases much more holistically. They've realized that many health problems people face are psychosomatic. It's because Mm -hmm. they are too stressed, too anxious. But then what to do about it? And exactly. uh, I went through a few of the books that of course are there. Uh, we have more and more apps about meditation. Um, all kinds of uh, YouTube channels are available. But what I realized, and also because I've been teaching many of these things for many years, I've learned so much from my master, Gurudeva Shri shankar is that a lot that is available right now is maybe not really proper meditation. There are a lot mm-hmm. of uh, things that are also marketed as a kind of quick fix solution. But of mm-hmm. course, as Ayurveda teaches us, Mm-hmm. Uh, the quick fixes are not always the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. real deal. And if you really want to go to the root cause of the problem, we have to approach it in a proper manner. So I saw that there is a lot out there, which is called meditation, but it is not. And mm-hmm. therefore many people who are sincerely looking for the solution that meditation can be, mm-hmm. but then they walk against the wall. They, they're doing something. They don't get the results they are hoping for or what they were looking for. And then they discard it saying, oh, you know, this doesn't work for me or uh, it doesn't work at all or it's just Mm -hmm. not my thing or I can't do it. And it's such a shame because Mm. these are ancient uh, tools, techniques that have been handed down to us in the tradition of Ayurveda and yoga Mm -hmm. that have such tremendous benefits for people in today's modern world. Uh, Even more so, I would say, maybe than, than they used to in the ancient days because the world has become more hectic. And I thought, okay, let me use uh, whatever experience I have gained in the last 20 plus years of practicing meditation, breathing techniques, pranayama, learning more about yoga and the knowledge of Ayurveda and mantras um, and and make a practical guide for people to start understanding how the mind works, how to manage our mind, our emotions, uh, to give them some practical tools, uh, exercises to and some awareness that can help them regain their inner peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also to explore meditation so what is meditation what is it not how to start it in the proper manner or if you have been meditating maybe how to go a little deeper how to explore it a little further and feedback has been really good so uh, it's encouraging for me also to see that it is able to maybe fill some of the gaps that were still there uh, in the market and and help people
0: I'm quite excited to explore more in this discussion so Swamiji what is meditation then in your words
2: I would I mean, say we meditation.
0: get a lot of explanations, and people yes. say, "I don't know what is med- I don't know how to meditate, and I don't think it's for me. Maybe I need a guided meditation. Maybe I need sound meditation." So, if 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 I'm a little kid, I have no idea. How would you explain this? So, because people are yet to understand what is meditation, they think it's sitting silent or going to Himalayas.
1: Yes. Well, to be very honest, usually a little kid doesn't need it yet. But if I would have to explain <laughs> it to to someone, I would say. Because sometimes I do have, I have little kids also asking me, so then what do you do? You, know, you just close your eyes and sit. Uh-huh. So meditation is true. Meditation, I would say is the art of doing nothing, the art of letting go. Mm. So it is a, it is a skill that we can learn. It, it's not something that you, that you can fully do or understand or master just by understanding it intellectually. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. So it comes with practice and why it is not enough to just understand it is because in meditation, we are also able to transcend the mind to go mm. even beyond the intellect. So this is something that um, actually doesn't require any effort, but yes, there are different approaches to come to that state, to that mm. space. So that is where we see there may be different approaches such as, uh, well, mindfulness could be such a thing or mantras or, uh, well, there is a whole uh, there could be visualizations but then the point is we have to go beyond that Mm -hmm. where we are able to come to a state where the mind is so equanimous that i would say it turns inward Uh, it goes back to the source and we experience that which is even beyond it which we can call the consciousness or the self or uh, these higher states of consciousness and that is also where some of the main power of meditation lies because Mm -hmm. this gives our mind A quality of rest that is even deeper than sleep. Mm. So usually I give this example to people where I say, you know, 20 minutes of proper meditation gives our mind the same amount of rest as four to six hours of sleep. And of course, it doesn't mean if you meditate uh, 40 minutes that you don't need to sleep (laughs) because our body requires that for certain physiological processes to happen. Mm -hmm. But yes, we see that people who meditate regularly uh, require less sleep and more than that their mind is much more clear, much more calm. You are able to let go of a lot of the unnecessary impressions, whether mm-hmm. you want to dramatically call it traumas or even just stress or worries or, you know, unnecessary thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, something that uh, is so needed in today's world because we get a lot of impressions. In, we are bombarded with information. We are also encouraged to have a lot of dreams, to have a lot of desires, to have a mm-hmm. lot of goals. multitask but then we often see that people you know they may be dead tired and they're lying in bed at night and they have difficulty sleeping and it's not that it's because they are not tired it's just that our mind is so active it's so overstimulated Hmm. that it's not able to settle and even when people fall asleep we have a lot of dreams and then you wake up even after seven eight hours of sleep feeling groggy where you say oh Hmm. I first need a cup of tea I need my chai or I need a coffee or, or a Red Bull or I need some peppy music to get going. It's not like when we were young, when you jump out of the bed and it's a new day and you say, oh, wow, let's go and play. Let's do something. So that dynamism, that energy, that enthusiasm, that joy is going to the background. It's not gone, but if we want to experience that again, if we want to be able to really be peaceful, we hmm. need to learn how to offload a lot of this unnecessary information, and meditation is one of the best tools uh, that we can use, and it doesn't have any side effects.
0: Definitely, I mean, I, I I really appreciate that you talk about the bombardment of information that we are having today. I think it was the the then CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, he made a statement. From 2003 onwards, the volume of information that is gathered every day is more than the entire history before that. You put all put together and then every day we are generating that much volume of information. And our nervous system is not designed to have so much of cognitive load. And that is hitting you. Uh, We are not able to relax. We are not able to let go. I think the future of healthcare will be about uh, people's having talent of the art of letting go. I think that's where the future of healthcare will be.
1: Yes, and and it's uh, that is also, of course, where Ayurveda, which mm-hmm. is so closely connected with yoga, plays such a vital role. And I think in some way we see it also. If you see the trends where it's not just yoga and Ayurveda that people are embracing all over the world, that is such an increase in, in demand, in awareness, but also Ayurveda. Right? It mm-hmm. comes with that, where people realize. And I think, again, the pandemic also was another beautiful excuse for people to rediscover the wealth of uh, not just knowledge and solutions but also benefits that ayurveda has to offer mm-hmm. where you know treatment after you get a disease is is only that much that's limited you know ayurveda mm-hmm. has the beauty that it focuses actually more on prevention like mm-hmm. we try to ideally avoid getting sick and i think here um, the intelligent people, therefore, are also already exploring yoga and meditation because they realize that before getting burnt out or exactly. before getting depressed or before having a system, a nervous system that is so overloaded that it leads to all kinds of health problems, hmm. let me invest a little time every day to, well, uh, to put it in tech terms, clear my cash or <laughs> remove all the unnecessary files so that I remain healthy, I remain fit, uh, I remain peaceful. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, there is lots of work to do, but it's very much needed.
2: Hmm. Swamiji, why
0: did nature design our mind in such a way that it's difficult to let go? Why couldn't just nature make it so easy? It should have been so easy for us.
1: Well, the thing is, you know, this is an interesting point. Um, my master once told me, he said, you know, why the, the question mark is something that usually leads to sorrow like if you Mm -hmm, want to mm say why is that you know you ask a question if you don't get an answer people they get angry you know many times Mm -hmm. when people are angry there is a question behind it which is not being answered why that person did this Mm -hmm. why is that happening Mm -hmm. many times we may not be able to figure out why but -hmm. if we can turn it into a wonder when that question mark becomes an exclamation mark and say wow you know this is amazing Mm -hmm. nature created our mind in such a way that it has no problem grasping things But it's very difficult to let it go again. Mm. And the beauty is when we wonder about something, if we can turn our questions into wonder, then it creates a beautiful state of mind. Mm. In one of the scriptures, the Shiva Sutras, it says, uh, Vismayo Yoga Bhumika." that state of wonder, of amazement, can put you in a state of of yoga, in a state of being present in the moment. And it is indeed a wonder why Mm -hmm. our mind has no problem grasping things, but it has much more difficulty letting go. But you know, at the same time, it wasn't always like this. Mm. As as small children, you know, small children are proper full-fledged yogis mm-hmm. in the sense that they are so in the present moment and they may fall down or they may get upset and you give them a chocolate. And the next moment they are smiling. They, they forget are fully it. enjoying the chocolate. <laughs> and you've seen this even with children then uh, the tears may still be rolling down their cheeks, but they're already smiling again. It's like the system mm. is still trying to keep up with the fact that they have already let go of that experience. So as children, we see they, they fall asleep in any position. They wake up super fresh. They're not bothered that yesterday that person took my toy or <laughs> what will happen in my pension or what will mm. happen next month. So we had that capacity and somewhere I think our education maybe has um, has not managed to keep that alive, to Mm. nurture that. And I think that is where the knowledge of, again, yoga and Ayurveda can come in so useful because it can help us to regain this capacity. So Uh, it's like... That you're able to let go. And meditation Mm -hmm. is this this skill of consciously letting go, where Mm. you say, okay, at least for the next few minutes, let me drop all my worries, all my wants and needs and desires, my expectations... And that state of letting go can give such a deep rest to the mind. And the beauty is that with awareness, you realize that this becomes easier. Mm. Where, Like many of the saints, of course, Kerala, you know, you being from Kerala, know all about uh, Adi Shankaracharya, one of the Mm. greatest saints and philosophers. One of his main, um, I would say, missions in life was to make people aware that there is a way to look at this creation where we see it as a dream. When you say there is it's Maya. And then you can say, okay, well, is it not escapism? You know, that you just pretend like all of this doesn't exist. No, but if if you see from one perspective, it is true that any event is momentary, Mm -hmm. and the impression it lasts, it leaves is what lasts. So we are having a podcast now, and later on, this whole experience is nothing but a dream. The only thing Mm. that has remains of it is the impression. And If that is unpleasant, if I'm not able to let go of it, then that can cause me to feel upset or anxious or scared or angry. So every time when we experience some of these emotions, you can bring it back to not being able to let go of the past.
2: Hmm.
1: But it doesn't mean you forget about it, but there are certain incidents out of all the things you have experienced in the last month that still prick us. And if it comes to our mind, you feel a little uneasy, or when someone brings up the topic, you know, you may get a little agitated, or when you meet that person again, you feel uncomfortable. Everybody has this kind of experiences. So why it is only those incidences or those people, it's because those we've not been able to drop. We've not able to let go. And that is why it is still disturbing us in the present. But when we're able to see it as a dream or as that momentary experience, then we are able to let go. And in the book I have, in my book, uh, Looking Inward, I've given this example also that, you know, sometimes in our dreams, we go through very difficult things. You may Mm -hmm. dream that you're being beaten up or even killed or the person you love abandons you or who knows what all. And then you wake up feeling anxious or angry or scared. But the very moment that you realize, oh, but it was a dream. Mm -hmm. then it takes just a few seconds for your system to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. And later on in the day, you don't think about it anymore. We, we forget our dreams usually. And even if in state, I dream about you and you beat me up. If I meet you later on in the day, even if I still remember that, oh, I had a dream like that. I'm not going to hold it against you. That, oh, you know, why did this guy beat me up? Mm-hmm. Oh, I may even have a good laugh with you saying, oh, you know, by the way, Ignace, you beat me up in my dream. It was, a, you know, it was such a drama. You know, hilarious. You have a good laugh over it. But in real life, If someone even looks at you in the wrong way or treats you in an unpleasant manner, we can hold on to it for days, months, sometimes even years. So the only difference being that we've given it a lot of importance. And once we realize that it is the importance that we give to events, to situations, to our experiences, that is actually taxing on us, that is causing us to feel uneasy. Then you realize, oh, the switch is inside. Mm. That means... That means I'm in control. It's not that I feel unpleasant or angry or upset or depressed because of people or situations. No, it's it's my internal conditioning that is causing me to feel like this. And I can do something about it. And Mm -hmm. there we have techniques like pranayama, like the breathing techniques. We have meditation that can be very effective in freeing us from those impressions. And it doesn't mean you forget about it, that you don't remember what happened. But the feeling behind it, that makes us uneasy in the present, is what we're able to let go of. Mm. And this kind of understanding, I think it's, it's so beautiful that Ayurveda gives us, you know, I've, I've learned so many things uh, about yoga and Ayurveda that has given me so much more clarity of how our body works, our mind works, how life works, how relationships work. And then you start seeing that this knowledge can give you so much of freedom mm-hmm. because you're in control. It's not that that situation is causing you to be miserable because there are other people in the same situation and they are fine. You,
2: know? mm.
1: there are, you say, oh, no, I'm depressed because I don't have a job. There are plenty of people who are without a job, but they're happy. And, and there, there are, are people, people with a job, job who are and depressed. depressed. <laughs> exactly. So this knowledge, is it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I simply
0: love that you know perspective. What if it's a dream? Then you just let go of it. But at the same time, there are some dreams when you feel, oh, I wish it was really my experience. On the other
1: hand, of course, you know... <laughs> of, course of course, yes. And the, the beauty is that uh, you see that when you're really happy, mm-hmm. then even those dreams will not come. You know, mm-hmm. Sometimes people ask me, no, no, but the, the past is not all bad. You know, what if mm-hmm. you're thinking about those nice days in high school or, you know, but when you're glorifying the past, you'll find it is because right now, somewhere, knowingly or unknowingly, you are not comfortable in the present. Hmm. Somewhere you feel that right now is not okay. Because when you're really happy and peaceful right now, that's, that's not a time when you're thinking, oh, that time it was very nice. So it's, it's also, it's a subtle stress. Hmm. And um, that is why I think, you know, if you see it's fascinating, anything that brings our mind to the present moment gives us some amount of joy. You know, Like some people, they like Bundy jumping or all this uh, you know, adventure sports, why on earth would someone enjoy jumping off a cliff with the possibility of actually crashing to death? You know, It's, mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. silly. If it happens unintentionally, you can be grateful that you survived. But doing that intentionally, why on earth would you do it? Because it gives a kick. People feel very nice. Why do you feel so good? Because for a moment, your mind is not going to be stuck in the present, uh, in, the, in the past or in the future you don't have a choice but to be in the present moment (laughs) and that is why for a moment your mind stops and the beauty is because it is our nature to be peaceful Mm -hmm. to be happy that is our core nothing can take that away so all you need to do is learn how to bring the mind fully to the present and then you experience that so whether it is bunny jumping or a scary movie or (laughs) uh, you know uh, being touched by your loved one or eating something really tasty anything that makes the mind stop for a moment, makes your mind go inward, gives us a glimpse of that peace and that joy, which is already sitting there. And a wise person then Mm -hmm. thinks, but you know, getting a little bit of a glimpse here and there is a never ending affair. I can keep doing things all my life, hoping to feel good in between. But if I'm smart, I will go and see how can I have that all the time or Mm. most of the time. And I think that is what also prompted our yogis of ancient days and the rishis to really invest in that inner journey, where they said, okay, let me make some conscious effort, give some quality time to explore this wealth that is sitting inside. Hmm. And we are living in a time where, of course, it's not practical for people to spend hours or days uh, doing tapas or meditation. but I tell you even from my experience that little bit of investment every day, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes can make a huge difference and I've made an effort in my book to make it very accessible for people to start this journey and experience that wealth that is sitting mm-hmm. inside.
2: So
0: what does this
1: 15, 20
0: minutes what, what would you recommend to do? Tell
1: um, From my experience, and I've learned this from my master is that uh, Twenty minutes of meditation is a is a very nice time. It's a perfect slot, I would say, mm-hmm. because it's not too long, for, too short. It's not too yeah, long, and, and, and for general people, you know, this is interesting. For general people, it is comfortable for the body to sit in one posture for about twenty minutes. Hmm. Of course, with practice, you can maybe sit for hours. But for an average person, this is like a the sweet spot. Hmm. If you make it longer, you will find that even though you may still feel like doing a little more. Uh, you'll start feeling like changing your posture or, and the beauty is if you are able to take that time, say in the morning and the evening, that 20, 15, 20 minutes, that is good enough to have an impact on the quality of your state of mind throughout the day. Mm. So it's a little bit like maybe brushing your teeth or you don't have to keep brushing your teeth all day. Mm -hmm. And at one time, if you brush them for more than five minutes also, it's not going to make them much cleaner. You know, you may end up with sore gums, but... So it's, uh, yeah, it's like uh, that mental, mental shower or mental mm-hmm. brushing that you say, okay, every morning and evening, if you can take a little time, it makes a huge difference. So Swamiji,
0: some people say, you know, for me, driving is meditation. For me, uh, uh, cycling is meditation. Trekking is meditation. So would you consider that as meditation or uh, being in an act and calling it a meditation? And is that aligned with your concept of letting go?
1: Not fully. Uh, And I think that's where also sometimes um, we see that is either a conscious or unconscious confusion between the word mindfulness and meditation. Exactly. Because usually people understand being mindful, being fully in the present, Mm -hmm. being fully with what you are doing is meditation. Hmm. And if we look at the yoga scriptures, for example, they have a beautiful word for this. They say dharana. Hmm. Dharana is where you focus your attention on one thing or your attention is on one thing. And that, of course, is a big improvement because usually our mind is scattered. We are busy with so many things simultaneously. So fully being with what you're doing has many benefits. It's, it feels great also. You're, you're mm-hmm. fully here in the present. But then we can go one step further. So in the mm-hmm. yoga scriptures, then they say dhyana. Dhyana is where that uh, that attention becomes uninterrupted effortlessly. So mm-hmm. you're no longer putting an effort. and they say, it's like the flow of the oil. And it's fluid mm-hmm. when it flows, when you pour it. Of course, in Ayurveda, we have plenty <laughs> if we think <laughs> of all the treatments. But the oil is uninterrupted, it doesn't mm-hmm. splatter. If you pour water or something, it can go a little here and there. But oil is, or honey or something, it's, it's continuous. Mm-hmm. So they say, when the mind becomes like that, an uninterrupted flow. And then there is one more step, samadhi, where they say, when even the object of awareness, disappears and it is just pure awareness so Mm. you're you're still aware but not of something and the beauty is that with mindfulness we can bring the mind together from its scattered state Uh, it's a big improvement but in true meditation we go that one step further where we go beyond the mind Mm. and as I explained earlier that has many additional benefits and that's why uh, driving or running or doing anything can be a very meditative experience where the mind is very calm, very equanimous. But true meditation is going even beyond that. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't mean that these practices cannot be a wonderful preparation for meditation. Mm. Because also in the scriptures, uh, they, for example, talk about so many different techniques to come to that state. And there is a scripture called um, vijnana bhairava tantra Mm -hmm. and it gives 112 different techniques and these are things like for example if there is a continuous sound like an air conditioning or the sound of a river that is flowing just listening to that sound so attentively can bring your mind to a state where it dissolves Mm. so first there is that dharana where you bring your attention on something and then it becomes effortless and then there is a moment where that also dissolves and you go beyond. Hmm. And that's something very special. That's something that, that everybody should experience. And that is why, like in my book also, I have encouraged people that, you know, there is nothing wrong with mindfulness. It's wonderful, but don't stop there. There is so much more to experience beyond and don't deny yourself that. So
0: mindfulness could be a stepping stone and meditation, it takes you to the next level.
1: Yes. And I would like to add to that also that when you start meditating regularly, you will find that one of the effects or results it has also is that it makes you more mindful. Hmm. But then the beauty is mindfulness is no longer a practice. It becomes a happening. So because your mind is much more calm, you have less less distracting thoughts, uh, less worries, stresses, tensions. The nervous system is unburdened to a great mm-hmm. extent so then without any effort you are more in the moment like with children you are fully mm-hmm. with what you're doing and i think this is a important thing to yeah to to note because mindfulness is still some effort be mm-hmm. it a very gentle manner and meditation is effortlessness and mm-hmm. we've always been taught that to achieve something we have to put effort because on the level of the body This is the truth. If you want to become more flexible, you want to lose weight, uh, you want to learn how to play an instrument or anything else, you need to practice, you need to put effort, and then you become better at it. You get results. But when you apply this on the level of the mind, we find that it doesn't work. And that's where many people stumble Mm -hmm. because the more you try not to think of something, you end up thinking about it more. Yeah, yeah. And you try to remember something, it doesn't work until you drop it. You say, okay, never mind. And then suddenly you remember. So when you try to meditate or you try not to have many thoughts, it doesn't work. Mm. And that's, that's very difficult. So people try to be very mindful. It becomes more stressful. So that's on okay. the level of the mind, it is effortlessness that works.
0: And when we talk about being present, I know we also have this concept of being absent-minded. Yes, and this is a big issue. People are so distracted, multitasking, and they're not able to focus on one thing. And they think by multitasking, they are being more in, in Charaka Samhita, there is a quote, Anutvam cha like our mind can focus only on one thing at a time. Mm. But yes. we try to do multitasking because multitasking makes us more efficient. But actually, in reality, it actually makes us
1: more under efficient. Exactly. It's a big fraud. A scam, <laughs> people have been telling us that multitasking is the way, mm. while actually, if you see the only way to truly effectively multitask is by doing all those things with full attention, but then maybe consecutively. Mm. Because, as, as you have said, the scriptures have already taught us that mind is much more effective when it is focused, and um, I think this is one of the challenges because nowadays. We have, we want everything instantly. Exactly. Instant noodles, instant poha. You know, Instagram. in the flight they come. Yeah, Instagram, <laughs> and Netflix. Everything is streaming now. You don't even have to wait for the advertisements to finish, or for that show to go on. You can watch it on demand. And the same people expect with health. You want mm. the medicine that will fix it instantly. No, you want it right now, and preferably not make any changes to your lifestyle or your food habits. And the same is then we want to multitask Hmm. You say, yes, I know I have to exercise. I have to spend some time with my family. I have to, uh, you know, do something creative, but I have limited time. So let me do one thing. I will sit on the dining table with my family. That counts as family time. In the meanwhile, I will, uh, you know, or maybe even I'm standing on a, a, a home trainer machine. So I'm getting some exercise done. And at the same time, I'm watching the news. I'm checking my emails. I'm doing all these things at the same time, but you cannot multitask your happiness or your peace of mind. And the sooner people realize this, the better, because mm. in the end, we are so busy doing so many things because somewhere we think that that is going to make me happy. That is going to make me feel peaceful. That's going to make me feel free. Mm-hmm. Because that is what we all want. And in this effort to get it faster, many people end up never getting it.
2: Hmm.
0: I think there is a, we need to realize there is a limit how much our nervous system and sense organs can process and
1: receive. Very beautifully said, very Mm -hmm. beautifully said. This is actually something that I remember also, I think um, my master had told us this once he said, Mm -hmm. our senses have a limit to enjoy. Mm -hmm. If you eat tasty food, How much can you eat? You can have one or plates, two plates. I know in the middle ages in Europe, people had this crazy thing, the the nobility and all the people who had a lot of money. They would eat a lot of tasty food and they'll go to the corner and vomit so that your stomach (laughs) is empty again so that you can eat some more. Mm. But how much can your system eat? The same is with watching. You have a wonderful series on Netflix. Now we have binge watching as a new concept, Mm. but how much can you watch after three, four, five, six hours at some point? Your, your eyes will say no enough now I need some time I need a break you listen to music how many hours can you listen consecutively at some point you'll say no shut it off it, I, I, need mm. a, I need a break so our senses have a limitation to enjoy but it is our nature to want that lasting joy something that mm. that is infinite And I think this is a big blessing that nature has conditioned our system, our nervous system, that it can only take a certain load of the external stimuli, because that is the only way to remind us that if you want lasting happiness, if you want lasting peace or real joy, you can only look inside because outside it has a limitation. And I think this is also one of the beautiful things that, uh, meditation can give us and in my book i've also spoken about this because then you find that once you're able to access that inner happiness or peace that is anyway sitting there it relieves you from this dependency mm-hmm. on the world around you and that doesn't mean you end up in a loincloth on a on a mountain but it makes you uh, independent in the sense that wherever you are you will be able to be happy mm. That if those wonderful things are there, say you have a beautiful holiday, or you have a wonderful family, you have great food in front of you, or a beautiful scenery, you will be able to actually fully enjoy it and appreciate it when it's there. And even when it's not there, Mm. you are still very happy and peaceful. So a beautiful shift happens in our life where uh, we stop living our life as a pursuit of happiness. But we start living our life as an expression of happiness. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I have seen. Uh, like, I feel very fortunate. When I was 16, I met my spiritual master, Gurudev Sri Sri for the first time. I saw a person who has dedicated his life to serving people. So he's literally living for others. He, he doesn't have like real free time. He's traveling all over the world, meeting so many people who mostly come to him with problems because otherwise, why do you need a guru? (laughs) And everything is fine. Nobody needs, nobody bothers. But when you have issues that you cannot solve, okay, then you need help. And still working 18, 20 hours a day for who knows how many years. I've never seen him get angry, get irritated, get stressed out. People ask him the same silly questions for decades, and he still manages to answer it with so much of compassion. Now, that is only possible if you are truly so peaceful and content that you don't need anything from anybody. Mm. So for me, that was an eye opener where I felt the fact that that is possible. I don't know if I'm able to do that, but even if I can learn 20 or 30% of that, it's a big breakthrough. It's a big breakthrough. And so he, he, he showed me what our potential is, what is possible. And I felt, wow, this is something uh, truly unique. Hmm. And, and I've seen it in my life that over the over the years, uh, I live out of a suitcase. I travel all over the world. He sends me to all kinds of places. Uh, I've wor- been working in the northeast of India for six, seven years, mm-hmm. even in jungles, uh, in, in areas affected by militants, all kinds of adventures. Last few years, I spent a lot of time in Africa. And to see that in all these different situations, I can still feel at home. I can feel so comfortable. Uh, it's, a, it's a big blessing. And- Swamiji, tell us more about your experience with the militants.
0: How how did that go? I mean, uh, like, you know, militants, Or I see that you also helped a lot of prisoners to get into my meditation. How, how is it with them?
1: Well, one thing that I've learned from my master, he says, no, there is no such thing as a bad person. Mm. And we've seen this with children. No, no child is born bad or, mm. or evil or, or nasty, but because it's life like they can got be caught. very stressful, uh, you know, we are exposed to all kinds of environments mm-hmm. and we all know that when we are stressed, we, we connect less with the world around us. You feel more cut off. Um, mm-hmm. You're not bothered about others so much because you're not, comfortable so Mm. when we don't feel good it's very natural first you want to get rid of that
2: Mm.
1: it's only when you feel good that you say okay what can I do for other people okay Mm. can I can I do something for you so I've seen time and again that with many people whether be they militants be they uh, prisoners or terrorists whatever that they carry a lot of stress a lot of trauma sometimes it can also just be misguided but many of the people like in prison, for example, if you ask them that, why did you do what you do? They said, well, I, I didn't want to do it. It's not that they consciously decided, okay, I'm going to kill someone. But at some point, something took over, whether it was mm. rage or, or frustration or anger or, or, yeah, anything or just uh, sorrow or whatever it may be. And in that moment, they did something. And that also leaves a kind of trauma because it makes it almost impossible for them to say, I will never do it again, because it was not like they decided, okay, let me go and do this. So it it kind of happened to them. And that makes it very scary because that means it can happen again. So Mm. how do you take full ownership for that? And we've seen that people, when they started doing, uh, we teach them the breathing techniques. Uh, One of them is called Sudarshan Kriya, something unique in our courses. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very powerful, very effective. And, uh, and meditation and then we see that over time they're able to because it's a practical tool it's something they can do you know breathing makes it something physical also but then they start releasing so much of stresses uh, their nervous system relaxes a lot of traumas um, get released and then you see such a drastic transformation where I've, mm. I've had prisoners actually come up to me saying that you know, now I can actually take responsibility for my life because now, now I'm in control. Mm. Now I have learned how to do, deal with my emotions with my mind and I can actually say I will not do this again because now I can decide. And I was, I'm traveling in Europe right now and I was in Denmark a few weeks ago and we have a team that has been doing amazing work, working with uh, former gang members or existing gang members, former in prison inmates, also in the prisons. And some of these guys used to be in prison They did Mm -hmm. our programs there. And then they got so inspired that they said, you know, this has transformed my life. It's given me a new lease of life. Mm -hmm. So I want to help spread this. So it's to break that cycle of violence and addiction. And and it's amazing to see the transformation. And so many of them come from backgrounds where um, it has been very difficult. They grew up in a place where there was a lot of violence. So it was the life that they knew. Mm -hmm. That's what they knew growing up but now they were still able to connect with that part of them, which wasn't traumatized or affected or buttered and battered and bruised. Uh, um, And then they say, oh yes, but there is this part of me, which is still innocent, which is pure, which is happy, which is peaceful. And it brings a drastic transformation. Mm. And I think, again, this is um, something where this knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda is so essential because even in, if we see it, our prison systems, uh, it doesn't really give people the tools to, to change this. You know, we can take people out of circulation, lock Mm. them up for some time, but we rarely really give people the tools to, to come out of that cycle. And, uh, and some of it is because of the limited understanding. That's where I feel like I'm so passionate about Ayurveda. And I was so excited when I heard that we are doing this Mm. conversation because, it has so much potential to drastically transform the way we do things in a good way you know mm. whether it is management whether it is prisoner rehabilitation whether it is healthcare but it is that it's it's not just so holistic but it's so scientific and systematic that mm. it makes abstract things suddenly very tangible
0: that's so true well very well put i, I really appreciate the way you put you know the way we treat with many of the trauma, I mean, all the prisoners, militants—they all went through a lot of trauma, and that is why they are behaving in that way. You know, some events in the yeah, past. we have been
1: conditioned exactly same way we behave the way we do. Some may exactly. wonder it. You know, <laughs> every culture has its own flavor, mm. but uh, yeah. And giving them the right tools,
0: this is so important. In fact, there is a there is a sutra in Ashtanga Hridayam in one of the Ayurvedic books. Uh, it says which actually means no matter what severity of disease that you're going through, if you manage to do the right techniques of healing, you'll be able to come out of it. So the idea exactly. is to get that right technique. So I think exactly. exactly. And that right technique is the real, uh, you know, we need to hit on it.
1: True. True. And that is also why, uh, In my book also, I have mentioned that we have this beautiful knowledge of of meditation, Mm -hmm. of breathing techniques, of how the mind works. And we should not forget where it comes from. Mm. Because often now we see that in the whole process of making it uh, snack size, bite size, uh, instant um, solutions, uh, the whole marketing machinery, tends to package it in a way where we say okay let's strip it of all the cultural baggage and just make it very secular very modern very uh, easy for people to understand but we cannot take it out of the context without losing some of the the Mm -hmm. essence and the benefits and uh, yoga and ayurveda are part of this ancient knowledge that that should be recognized because then we realize that there is so much more that goes with it that is connected to it that can enhance it Mm-hmm. Uh, that we can also benefit from and um, yeah I made quite a strong point in the book that mm-hmm. we, we should not uh, forget that ancient tradition because you may strip it of some of the most essential aspects
0: I'm definitely going to recommend this book to a lot <laughs> Amiji, one question you know sometimes intelligent people when you go and talk to them And they'll be like, how on earth can you be happy when you see so much of suffering around? There is war happening, there are refugees, there's so much of uh, people dying and corruption happening, global warming happening. And they get lost into that narrative. And when you say, why do you have to think about it? If you're not thinking about it, who is going to take responsibility about that? So... On one hand, you know it makes a lot of sense what they're saying and it actually makes me feel like, oh my God, am I really not thinking about these things and not doing my part in saving the world or something like that first? Then then I think it's beyond my scope of control, but at the same time, I can do only what I can influence. So in such a situation, when, when people are thinking, uh, there is so much of suffering and how can I be happy? Where can we put, how can we guide them?
1: Well, as you are also a doctor, you know, I would say um, to those in, in intelligent or intellectual people mm-hmm. that see for a doctor to be able to effectively treat his patients and to keep doing so for a longer period of time, thus really making an impact. It's essential that the doctor remains healthy. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying that, you know, how can you be healthy when you're treating so many sick people, you should also get sick so that you understand what they're going through. No, but to be able to help them, you need to be healthy. So us becoming miserable is in no way contributing to helping other people who are miserable becoming happier. Rather, it makes the situation worse. Hmm. Only one who has can give. Only one who is peaceful can truly make other people peaceful. Only one who is healthy can make others healthy. Only one who has money can give money to others. And I'm in a well line of work. I mean, it's not just work, it's my life, but let's say line of work. I there. can imagine. I deal with definitely with many people who are suffering because uh, you know, we have so many service projects and the whole approach is that as the art of living also that I'm a part of and through all our activities that we want to help people. So you go and help those who need it. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are people whether it is people affected by the floods now in the Northeast or people affected in a man by man-made calamities in a war area, or whether it is people suffering from depression or stress or prison inmates, whatever it may be. Yes, they may be suffering. They may be having a lot of difficulties. They may be miserable, but we going and helping them effectively is only possible when we first save our mind.
2: Mm.
1: And I think that's where the spiritual practices are such a beautiful Um, something that complements the service aspect and I think that's why it's very important also that that being happy or being peaceful is in no way a sign of indifference I would say it's a sign of intelligence that yes there may be a lot of problems but there is a lot also to be grateful for there is a lot to appreciate Mm -hmm. and yes when we are happy when we are peaceful That is also when you will start feeling the the space or the the capacity to do something for others. Because Mm. like I said, when people are unhappy, when they're miserable, when they're upset, they're more focused on themselves. Mm. That sense of belongingness with the people around you goes down. You feel less connected. Your empathy goes down. Depressed people are not bothered about others. They're bothered about themselves. They're focused on themselves. So if everybody becomes depressed, nobody's going to do anything about it. But the moment when you feel so content, you are so happy, then you say, I don't need anything for myself because I'm already happy. Okay, what can I do for others? Mm -hmm. And we've seen this time and again through our programs also when people uh, start meditating, start uh, doing some of the breathing techniques, when they become more and more stress-free, they say, oh, you know what? I feel so good. Let me take out a little bit of time in between all my other activities and do something for someone else, whether it is in my neighborhood or in a bigger scale or through some project. So I would say that you being happy is a sign of you being intelligent. <laughs> You're being a good doctor. True intelligence. And because you are happy, then you can see, okay, yes, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And of course we have our limitations. You are a doctor. You may be asked to treat a pac- patient. If I'm not a doctor, nobody will ask me and nobody mm-hmm. will expect me to do so. So, the world has many problems, um, but as my master beautifully said also at different times, most of the problems we see in the world today are not because of the actions of bad people. They are because of the inaction it's of difficult. good people. So, so, well. so, so that, is, that is what we need to do. We, we do our bit. I may not be able to help all the people who are starving, but even if I can help five people, for those five people, mm. it's going to make... The world of difference. And I think that is what we can only inspire people to do that, okay, in whatever little capacity, do something. And when you start doing some service, something for other people, you realize that, oh, but you know what? I can do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then you start doing little more and little more, and you realize that you can do so much more than you ever thought you can. And it gives you a kind of fulfillment that is even more than when you just do something for yourself. So you feel more happy, you feel more grateful. And I think that is also why um, even in Ayurveda, that is importance also given to the company, you know, the people Mm -hmm. around you, the environment that you're in makes a big difference, whether it is just to your healing process or also to how you flourish in life.
0: I think the word, when you say looking inward, you know, uh, in fact, the word for health in Ayurveda is Vasta. Like Mm. Swa means my purest self and sta means connected. So, Every time I'm connected with myself, I'm at my healthiest, happiest content. And when I'm disconnected, that's when disease starts. So this meditation, this that. pranayama, this is all about reconnecting and maintaining that, that deep purity that we have, all, all of us inside.
1: Very beautifully said. Yes, mm-hmm. very true.
0: Thank you so much, Swamiji. This was a, you know, a wealth of information in, in this few, few minutes that you can share. So people who are about to start meditation, what would be your recommendation to start with? And then?
1: Well, um, of course, Vigneshji, uh, I have written a whole book about it. And if I <laughs> start could say, say whatever I've said in that book, in just a few lines, I wouldn't have needed to write a whole book. But what I would say is that uh, meditation has a lot to offer. Um, definitely, of course, I would like to recommend to people um, to read my book also because it's not um, limited in the sense that I say, oh, you should only do this meditation or there are different Mm -hmm. schools, there are different ways to go about it, but it will give people a very nice foundation to understand what meditation really is, what it can do for me, understand what it is not. And in that way, it can help them also to, yeah, to maybe uh, make a well-informed decision. That okay what i'm practicing now or what i would like to start yes is this something authentic is it going to get me there or if you're already meditating it can give you some of the clues some of the, the useful tips or insights that may deepen your meditation practice or take it a little further and then i would like to say that because there are many different schools um take something that you that that relates to you that you feel comfortable with that that uh, Yeah. That you feel at home Mm -hmm. and then stick with it at least for some time, because even though there are different paths, they lead to the same goal, but for you to reach that goal, you have to follow that path all the way. Mm. So of course we are in a, uh, this culture where even on Netflix, you have so many options. Okay. Let me watch five minutes. If it's not nice, let me switch to another. Mm -hmm. But if you dig for water in one place for a thousand meters, Definitely anywhere you dig, you will find water. But if you dig in thousand places, only one meter, you may not find water anywhere. So take it up with enthusiasm um, and stick with it for some time. Just like exercising, you need to do it for some time to really start seeing a lasting result. But I promise you, it is really worth your Mm -hmm. time, your effort, and it can give you a whole different dimension of life. Like I said, where you can start living life as an expression of happiness. And this everybody deserves. Definitely.
0: Swamiji, I'm your big fan now. I really look forward to reading the book. And also I'm going to put it in the show notes for so people can read it and get the download it from there. So it was a real honor. Jay Gurudev, thank you so much, Swamiji.
1: Thank you so much, Viknesji. And I wish you all the best with this beautiful podcast. And mm-hmm. may many more people get inspired to explore the true benefits that Ayurveda and this ancient knowledge has to offer. Thank you so Namaste. much. Namaste.
0: Thank you for listening to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. If you loved and enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, share and review us. This helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing. If you wish to know more about my work, please do visit www. Vigneshdevraj.com, And if you are interested in doing an Ayurveda treatment or authentic Panchakarma therapy, please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com